coming up today. If you want to work in this kind of fashion footwear industry, the best thing to do is position yourself within it. And that could be starting your own brand, working at your local store. I think just fully immersing yourself and living what it is that you're into and what it is that you're trying to do is uh, is really all I did. And everything just sort of happened organically with, with hard work. This is Radio Juxtapose. Thanks for joining us here again at Radio Juxtapose. Today we're taking a slightly different tack to previous episodes as we join Vans to bring you behind the curtains insight into working with one of the world's leading lifestyle brands. So over the next 40 minutes or so, you're going to be hearing a conversation between Juxtapose Magazine's Evan Preco and myself, Doug Gillen, with Stephen Mills and Jake Mednick, discussing the ins and outs of joining a company with a 50-year legacy, the power of collaboration, and a look to the future of footwear. To get us going, here's the lads themselves. My name is uh, Stephen Mills. Uh, everybody calls me Millsy, so... That's kind of what people know me as. I've been at Vans going on 22 years. So I've been through through a lot of ups and downs with the company. Right now, I'm currently the VP of uh, Vault Footwear and Category. And I've been in that role solely for probably about four or five years now. Prior to that, I did have Vault, but I also had Classics and everything else under my belt. So I was kind of a one-man show for a while and with design and then brought Jake on, which has been like a godsend and a huge, huge, I mean, he's really running the category right now, uh, handing off the reins a little bit, if you will. But I've been at Vans for quite some time. It's been a brand that's always been a part of my life as a kid. So I've been in footwear all my life. Uh, so I've been pretty fortunate as far as uh, a career goes. Now, you've done an interview before. We can tell you, you passed the baton very nicely. <laughs> Well, Millsy is the most seasoned, no question. Good to meet you guys. My name is Jake Mednick, and I'm the senior global category manager for Vault by Bands. And that, that, really is, that really means footwear merchandising. So I'm kind of working with design, curating the, the line architecture, and then the designers obviously build it out. So we work with them closely and then obviously work super close with um, all of our collaborators. Millsy, I think this is, I'm really excited I got to call you that. Uh, I think this is interesting in, in the fact that you've been there for 22 years, and it seems like, Jake, you have, you have not been there for 22 years. What was the brand like 22 years ago when you, when you started? Because obviously Vance has grown to become like such an international, out, you know, international powerhouse, especially like in the last decade. What, like 22 years ago, what was it like when you got the job at Vance? I mean, to give you a little history lesson. That's what we're here when for, I per, when I when, when I first came here... I came from Nike and now, you know, Nike and, and Vans have been just two brands that have always been dear to my heart. Um, so I've been super fortunate in that regard. When I got to Vans, it was, it was uh, completely different than what you know of, of now. Like we've kind of reinvented ourselves, to be honest with you. People talk about our icons and, and you know, yeah, we were around in 1966, but we, we kind of had a void there for a while in the marketplace. And when I started at Vans, we basically... Our line consisted that worked. Our line consisted of a, kind of a pro series skate line, and that was it. I, I went into inventory to try to find checkerboard slip ons and couldn't even get them. Like we didn't even make classics. To be really honest with you, our three biggest accounts at the time were, I think, Mervin's famous footwear and somebody else. Like we completely forgot where our roots were. With you know, with the luck of of the then president, his name was Steve Murray, who was still with VF by the way. Super. Super well-respected strategist, the guy I really respected. We kind of rewrote the business plan and said, let's go back to what people really know us as. And so in that business plan, 
obviously is like to revive classics because at the time classics was literally non-existent, uh, which is crazy to think about it because that's all I grew up with. I remember ordering shoes off the back of Skater Magazine to get them shipped into me. You know, I couldn't find them anywhere. So the brand at the time was pretty bare boned in design, pretty bare boned in uh, development. Um, at the time, I don't even, I'm not sure we even had an apparel division. And if we did, it was like a spec uh, and it was like t-shirts, you know, uh, we really, so it's grown considerably. Um, back then, in all honesty, it was more about a marketing company than a product company. We still were involved in concert series. We're involved in um, surf, surf programs, surf events. But the product didn't reflect who we were as a brand, the authenticity and all that. So when we actually rewrote this business plan uh, and started to really concentrating on the classics part of our business, we grew exponentially. I mean, I've been in footwear long enough to know that a lot of times it's trend and it's ebbs and flows. Like, but the, the amount of growth that we had and the wave that we rode for as long as, we, as we've ridden it has been unprecedented in footwear, in my opinion. We just continue to grow and we're not really changing a lot about what we've done and where we our foundation is really built. So it's, it's been a, a, an incredible ride for me. And the fact that Vault was a part of that business plan, not, not really as a business, but more as a marketing piece, like, you know, the whole sneaker thing in the, in the late nineties, late two thousands is really starting to just super explode. And every, you know, we weren't even part of that. And I was like, you know, we can come at this from a different lens. We're not balls, we're not bats, but we are skateboarding and surfing. And we're, we're, and you know, our four pillars with creativity and artists and music and all that, we can come at this from a different lens and authentically than any other brand could do it. And so, you know, internally, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a struggle because people thought I was crazy, but the first season we dropped vault, it was nothing nuts. It was like a dozen shoes just made out of Italian leather and some really nice colors. And all the accounts that we were going after at the pinnacle level at that time, they just like, yes, something fresh, something new, something different. And, and it just kind of took off, but it really wasn't honestly, we didn't look at it as a real business until like five or six years later. What is Vault by Vans and how does that differ from Vans? I think Vault by Vans is, I think it does address a different consumer. I think it's something that brings a little bit more aspiration to the brand than where we've been in the past. It allows us through price points and constructions and pushing the limits on, on getting outside of our original box to, to really kind of have some more creative freedom. It's interesting to me being here as long as I have the amount of people that I've always respected and continue to respect in the industry that have, have some way, shape or form in their history had a Vans has always been a part of their lives. Like some of the people like, ah, oh, I've worn Vans. It's like, it's mind blowing to find out who really touches this brand. So I think Vault allows us the opportunity to kind of take some of the handcuffs off, if you will. Price points aren't as restrictive. So it allows us more creative freedom in regards to materials, construction, et cetera. As well as, you know, when, when working with collaborators and maybe Jake can elaborate on this a little bit, it kind of allows us to, to, to bring a point of view outside the brand of people that understand this, but to infuse their DNA to make it kind of something special and different. But you keep, you keep going back to this, the idea of the classics. I, I want to know like in, internally, or even when you started, like what is the stereotypical classic fans silhouette? Within this, we, we have what we call five icons. Five icons are skate highs, old school, slip-ons, authentics, and eras. Um, the authentic and era is a, a kind of a slippery slope, if you will, because authentics is by far 
it was the first shoe we did, first of all. Um, and it's also very similar to the era in regards to silhouette with the exception of a padded collar. And I believe there's an overlay in the heel counter, right? So a lot of people look at those, not really kind of, if you're not that familiar with the history of Vans, they're like, oh, it's the same shoe. It's really a different shoe. Um, but those are what we consider the five icons and something that we consistently always have. That's the, that's the, that's the lion's share of what Jake and I do and the lion's share of what we do in our classics business as well. Through Vault, we've been able to introduce a lot of older silhouettes, bringing them back, lampins, epochs, et cetera, where people are like, oh, holy shit, I didn't really realize you did that, but now I understand it and it's pretty, pretty, pretty insane. So we've had a lot of success reintroducing some of the old shoes from the library and being the fact that people aren't as familiar, they're a little bit more of an ebb and flow thing. They kind of have a little bit more, uh, not as long a shelf life but we've had really good success in reintroducing models. And then when we flow that down into our classics business for a little bit more of our broader distribution, different account base, obviously, we've had really good reaction and acceptance to those products as well. Jake, when you start at Vans, do they give you like a, like a pamphlet, like here's the history and you need to follow these pillars of, of like what, what, I mean, like what I'm curious, cause like you guys have like the kind of job that so many kids coming out of, you know, whatever design or fashion world would love to have, but you're also working within a brand structure and a brand that's kind of been around for a long time and has guys icons. Like, do you, do you get like the history? Do you get like a, here's the pamphlet, follow the rules a little bit, or is it kind of a little bit more like, this is what we've done. This is what we do, but let's open the palette a little bit. No, it's a great question. I mean, the, the onboarding process at Vans is pretty extensive. There are, quite a few sort of history lessons with HR where they kind of walk through um, the brand's legacy in skate and surf and kind of who those iconic people are with, within the brand. But the, the rad thing about it, it, it is, it is, it, it's, it's counterculture. So there's a very welcoming kind of open arms Vans family feeling when you start at the brand and there's no, there's no right or wrong, but without a doubt, there is like a, an intense focus on kind of the history, what we stand for, um, I think most people, when they start to Millsy's point, may not know the difference between the authentic and the era, but, you know, quickly working in product, you, you really kind of get a grasp on things for sure. I, I'd ask you, Millsy, but I think after 22 years being in Vans, I think that that route might be slightly different. But for you, Jake, what was your path into this, into Vans? Like, is it straight out of college? For sure. So extensive background in skateboarding started skating in the early mid nineties and, and right at, you know, the, the age of eighth grade, I started working at my local skate shop in a small town in central Florida. Actually, I never went to college to keep it real. And I worked, yeah. And I worked at the <laughs> skate shop through, through high school. And then once I finished high school, I, um, I made the move West. I, I continued to work retail and, and skate and surf and, um, Shortly after that, I got a job working uh, with a skateboard brand called DGK out of a bigger manufacturer, the KO Corp. And I was at KO with Stevie Williams and Troy and a, a phenomenal team for about 11 years. And that's where I really sort of built my, um, my resume in, in this industry. And at, at KO, I did sales. So I ran the entire East Coast from Florida up to uh, Maine and as far west as Texas. So I managed like 300 skate shops, calling on them, selling them boards, wheels, apparel, the whole nine. Once that journey ended, I landed at Converse and I did a similar role where I was doing sales for the Southeast back in Florida. 
between Atlanta and Central Florida and just seeing all of the um, Converse footwear uh, accounts. And at that time, this was 2015 to 17, I just saw a massive change from consumerism, D to C business structure versus, you know, wholesale accounts. And I thought, man, the, the days of being a sales rep with an extensive list of accounts and selling them products is really kind of coming to an end. Um, and that's when I made the pivot from sales into product and merchandising specifically. And I think that the beauty of that is merchandising is informed off of what's selling and what's working, right? So you kind of come into this role of merchandising, having an extensive, you know, 12, 13 year background in sales. And you know what the consumers are looking for. You know what the buyers at these great accounts are, are requesting from these brands. Kind of crafting and building a, a line, I'll be honest, was, was pretty natural for me just because I, I spent so much time in sales. So it was a very organic evolution in career. And uh, I've been with Van since 2017. And, I, and I'm definitely stoked on that move from sales into product and merchandising and hope to continue to kind of build on that. But real quick, just in a nutshell, I would, I would give any kid the advice of if you want to work in this kind of fashion footwear industry, the best thing to do is position yourself um, within it. And that could be starting your own brand, working at your local store, you know, being a sales rep for a brand. I think just fully immersing yourself and living what it is that you're into and what it is that you're trying to do is, uh, is really all I did. And everything just sort of happened organically with, with hard work. Is that something you see kind of consistently through Vans? Because I mean, Vans is as big as they come. A hundred percent. I'd say there's probably a 50-50 split where we have some strategic mm-hmm. members at the brand that are very, very smart and studied at, you know, very uh, specific schools and, and universities. And then you have the other half that's coming in from um, potentially being a retired professional. We have a lot of pros that, you know, uh, retired pros that work for Vans, um, which is amazing. And then similar to my situation, there's, you know, a, a 50% of the people that kind of come in just right off of experience and, and hard work. Yeah. Millsy, does that story from Jake there sound kind of familiar to your entry point or is it wildly different from when we go back 22 years? I mean, um, a little bit different, but kind of the, kind of the same. I will, I will add to just what Jake said. The unique thing about, I think the majority, the large majority of the people that work within our company, they have some connection in regards to what we do, whether it's skate, surfboarding, music, or art, almost everyone that, that I can think of that works within the company, not, not just with HQ, but like, even if you're looking at like our retail stores, the kids that work in our retail stores, most of these kids and people within our company kind of live one portion of what we stand for as a brand in their daily lives. So that's why I think we've been such a, such a success. Uh, the way I came to shoes is out of, out of school. I actually went, I was big into music was in a band as I was, when I was growing up. So I, I went down and got involved within the music industry for several years. And again, not to mention like the big competitor up North, but I was actually, I was a runner and got, I was brought in to run for them just as, you know, flowing me product and sending me to races and shit. And also grew up skateboarding, not to Jake's extent, but I skated a bit. And then as well, surfing as a kid um, out in California with my my grandparents. But um, what ended up happening with me is I started running for no one mentioned up north. And then they brought me in uh, in merchandising and design there. 
reality was I wanted to move back to California. Um, I love the Northwest, but it, it does rain a lot. So I wanted to get back closer to, to California and to the ocean. So I actually came down here and did a, a small stint uh, just as a consultant with Oakley when they were starting to get into footwear. What happened, as luck would have it, a position came up at Vans and I just put in for it and, you know, knock on wood, I got it. So I've just kind of been here ever since. Even because we, you know, what we're going to be talking, you know, what we're kind of leading in here is some of the collaborations that Vault is doing, you know, at the moment and just kind of how Vault deals with the art of collaboration. But for you in your career, do you ha have sort of a, like a touchstone moment when, that you see in the sneaker industry that kind of changed the way people talked about collaboration between brands or between sneaker companies and artists? I mean, was there something that you've kind of viewed as like a, a game changing moment? Honestly, I mean, when I when I was first into sneakers, I mean, all the all the stuff that I that I was trying to to get into my quiver was it's just inline stuff, but it was Jordans and stuff like that. Uh, I've always been, I mean, my 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 go to for Vans from the time I was a kid, first shoe I ever ordered was a was a skate high. That's like that's my shoe. Kind of the aha moment on the collaboration piece was when we actually decided to 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 put vault into our, into our assortment mix. Ironically, uh, I don't know if you guys, not to, not to age myself, but I will right now. I don't know if you guys remember a, a fashion designer named Rebecca Taylor out of New York city, but she reached out to us because she was really into van slip-ons. And, and shortly after that, Paul Frank here in California, uh, which was a pretty significant lifestyle brand when they started out, Paul was a big, a big vans guy as well. And that also led to Luella Bartley. I don't know if you guys remember Luella out of the UK, but her she was a skate, skateboard kid. Her husband was a skateboard kid. So that was kind of the aha moment when I was like, actually, we can play in this marketplace from, from a band's perspective. But there's never there wasn't really a like, you know, a drop the mic moment for me with with sneakers. I just always loved shoes. Like, I mean, I grew up in a small town and I remember trying to play hoop. I would wear like one stars that were like three sizes too big. Cause I like, they didn't make my size, but I didn't really care. I mean, it was just, that was, I was that kind of a shoe dork to be honest with you. Does vault sometimes come from a place that you, when you guys kind of are approaching projects with vault in particular, you're thinking about how you guys have these iconic silhouettes, but you're kind of thinking about that kid who's trying to make it a little bit more unique or trying to stand out as opposed to maybe the stuff that's in-house. My perspective on collaborations, the whole point, I would want to work with a designer, an artist, another brand, a third party, if you will, is because I want to see what their take is on what we've done. A lot of times, if we try to flip something, if it goes too far outside the box, you know, consumers might look at it and be like, what, you know, what the fuck are you thinking? But if you bring somebody else in from the outside that infuses their DNA and something that people are familiar with or not familiar with, to be honest with you, I think it makes way more sense to the consumer and way more sense for our brand to be able to allow third-party collaborators to actually take the ball and run with it. My opinion of working with a collaborator is you got some guardrails sometimes, whether it's branding or a legal issue that you that you need to kind of protect here and there. You know, the whole point of working with us, in my opinion, and, and being a brand that really stands for creativity is like, you know, it's, it's wide open, do what you want to do. And if we need to dial it in based on some parameters, we can do that. But from my opinion, you work with collaborators because you want to see what they would do with your product um, mm. and not influence that. 
does that always work out so that you have collaborations that you think are just that's the shit like completely you read you you read the brief you've nailed it and then when it comes down to the consumer it just does not connect <laughs> we've Ooh, had a few a, of those that's a touchy one <laughs> i like it no like we, it. we we've we've had a few of those <laughs> and 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 i think also it's like I would look at that. I think a lot of times because of who we are as a brand in the hierarchy of all the big footwear brands, mm. we tend to go after a lot of people they wouldn't touch, but we also go after people that actually understand us. Does that make any sense? Like we don't want to just randomly go after somebody to work with because it's just, oh, that, that's like, you know, that's the flavor of the month kind of thing. It's like we want to go after people that understand us as a brand. So quite honestly, those are the ones that actually the, those are the ones that actually really resonate with our consumers. They understand it, but we do have a few that people are like scratching their head. Uh, but honestly, the, the, the main reason they're not the main reason, but the reason Jake is really running things now is because he's way more connected than I am than what I used to be. Um, my role is a little bit different now in the company. And I think a lot of times we need to really trust what he's doing um, because 99.9% .9 of the time he's fucking spot on, but a lot of times you got to convince people that may not be, or live in this world, like we do mm. that we're going down that right path. I don't know if that answers your question. That was a diplomatic way of answering that question. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, and again. So Jake, let's just say, for example, you know, let's start with like Jeff McFetridge. Jeff's like kind of an interesting one because he does, he, he, he does collaborations with people. He's a famous designer himself. He's a famous artist now. He is like kind of somebody who we'd all expect to be wearing just a clean pair of, you know, slightly eggshell classic vans. When you approach somebody like that, who's got such a famous visual language, I mean, this could go for both of you guys. Like, how do you even start with somebody like that? Well, initially there's a, there's a, a, a kickoff meeting, right? Just kind of connecting allowing uh allowing everyone to get to know each other on a personal level that's super important and honestly to Millsy's point earlier about not really handcuffing anyone i have this expression of hey why don't you create your blue skies brief like if there's if there's anything you wanted to do with vans what would that look like how would that come to life jeff specifically out of a lot of the partners that we work with is one of the best storytellers that that i've met so the way Jeff pulled in material, color, um, distressing, et cetera. He had a specific story, a moment in his life that tied back to each shoe. Um, and luckily we were able to achieve everything that he wanted to do at the factory level. So that's really kind of how it starts. It's, it's like, hey, you're a fan of the brand. We're a fan of you. Let's, let's meet, let's have a bite, a coffee, whatever. And it's really us saying, hey, if you could do anything with Vans, what would that look like? And sure, there's times where we need to help inform on, you know, silhouettes, back end stuff with the factory development, et cetera. But for the most part, it's really approaching things very openly and suggesting that the partner kind of does what they want initially. And then again, if we need to peel it back or inform a, a certain direction to take, you know, we'll, we'll do that, of course. What do you think the key is then for what you would call a successful collaboration? That's a great question. There's so many levels of success. I think ultimately we, we are running a business. So seeing a moment that of energy, of hype and excitement from the consumer and from our wholesale partners. And then of course, measuring that success and measuring that energy and, and hype uh, through, through uh, sales and sell through. 
but then you guys know you know like when you uh are going to do a collaboration with like when you did the, the collaboration years ago with takashi murakami like you got like that was going to be a banger because his it's like you just kind of know he's famous he's really famous and like sure. with his approach and every you know it, there's just a lot comes with that a lot of marketing comes with that but if you if you're kind of you know collaborating you guys also collaborate with kind of smaller mm-hmm. brands so you clearly got you guys are willing to take some uh financial risks on some of these collaborations as well not just i would even call it a smaller win that's that's very niche or esoteric to a certain brand pillar that we're you know attaching the story to right so our pillars are action sports art music and street culture so when we go after uh you know a a work with a brand like leica we're really kind of addressing that that art pillar through the lens of photography and not everyone's a photographer not everyone cares about photography and certainly not Leica but when you click into that genre of of photography and photographers Leica's an elitist so um, while that still may not be as popular as big as Jeff McFetridge or something else in the art world it's very specific to the audience that we're wanting to to get after and Steven, yeah. was that the initial kind of like when you just when you guys decided to start Vault, was that kind of I mean, that must have been why? Because you were like, let's see what happens when we almost tell our brand story through other people's experiences with our brand. Yeah, that that was that was definitely part of it. Um, and at the time when we did start Vault, we, we kind of use, as I said earlier, we use it as a marketing vehicle. We needed to create some more aspiration around that. And while we had initial success out of the box with inline programs. Once we started reaching outside to third-party people um, and people that understood the brand or were familiar with the brand and kind of had that in their life, it kind of took off from there. Um, the other thing I, that I might just add to, I think uh, I think Doug asked a question in regards to whether it was Americamry or, or it actually might have been might have been you, Evan, um, is the fact that. There, there's some to your point that we know that was going to be a slam dunk, right? We just knew that was a slam dunk. But I think as a brand, kind of coming from where we have been and being like the odd man out, let's be honest, historically in the sneaker world or the irreverent brand or the underdog or the punk or the dirt balls, whatever you want to call us. Reality is, is like, I think there's a kind of a corporate responsibility and I do use corporate pretty loosely here. But I think there's a responsibility for us to reach out to people in similar situations from third party collaborations. We kind of think it's an opportunity to use us as a platform and as a piece of canvas, if you will, for other brand artists, designers, whatever, to actually help elevate them and get them into the public eye and give them a leg up to help give them a, maybe a little bit of a push start uh, that nobody else would. Uh, and that's kind of where we came historically as a brand. I mean, we were tiny and we we're family owned. Like, a lot of the people that Jake is connected with and works with, yeah, they, they're not known like, you know, a big high-end couture brand, but they have a certain uh, connection to us and certain history. And we think it's kind of uh, maybe a responsibility, maybe not that that's kind of a strong term, but we think there's an opportunity for us to help elevate these guys and, and these men and women and designers to give them a, a, a voice and introduce them to new consumers and help them be successful. Jake, you talked about hype earlier. Uh, when were you the most hyped about either a collaboration or just in terms of your own personal career with Vance? 
Man, I, that's a, that's a great question. It, it, it often happens. I think from the program we did in line recently with Vibram, we put the authentic and the skate high on a platform and it was just something that, you know, was different and kind of outside of the box. And we were working with, um, a third party with Vibram on, on the tooling. And there was a bit of internal finessing that we needed to do to even allow that to happen. And so when you see that come to life, that was exciting. Every collaboration we work with is, is truly exciting once launch comes because you put so much time into it. A lot of these programs take 18, 18 to 24 months to develop and some longer. So once something starts getting teased or posted on Instagram, there's a, there's a feeling of excitement and, and happiness to see it all kind of come to life. And to Milzy's point, a lot of the times we are acting as a platform for these smaller brands, or as I said earlier, these kind of more niche esoteric uh, creatives to, to come to life. So you're almost excited for them as well, just to kind of give them that, that, that shine and that push. Can I ask the same Our, question to you, Milzy? I mean, personal career highlight. I mean, there's a lot of them, to be honest with you. I mean, one of the things uh, that I think, you know, we talked about earlier when you, when somebody referenced Jeff is, a lot of the people we work with are actually super good friends of ours. You know what I mean? Like I've known Jeff for 20 some years. He's always been kind of historically associated with our brand and done a lot for us. So a lot of the people I work with, it's just an opportunity to work with, you know, super fucking rad people. But I, I mean, Mirakami, who I've actually become pretty close to, was a super interesting uh, collaboration at a completely whole new level for us. That was That was a highlight. Another one, I don't know if you guys remember it, was when we did uh, the anniversary collaboration with the Simpsons, uh, mm. following the Simpsons and being a fan of Matt Groening and, and historically all the shit that he's touched and done. And it was the first time that he actually allowed anybody to manipulate his characters. And we brought in, you know, I believe it was 10 different artists and he allowed them to play with whatever they wanted to play with uh, in regards to, you know, some super iconic characters and some, some, and design that nobody's actually been able to play with. Uh, and we had a similar similar uh, experience as well with Disney, where they allowed some of the people we brought in to kind of manipulate, you know, super protected uh, trademarks to, to have some fun and put, put their spin on it. So those would be two of the bigger ones to me. But to Jake's point, when we are actually able to elevate somebody and kind of help push them into the public eye, um, it's it's pretty rewarding. And then, you know, there are people, you know, double taps is a good one for me. I've, I've known Tet and those guys now for God, 16 years, maybe to see how that band has grown and survived and what that brand means in Japan in particular still means, you know, being associated with that, being associated with neighborhood uh, that that's kind of one that's super close to my heart as well. Um, and we continue to work with those guys. I mean, they're, they're really a part of who we are, you know, they're part of the fabric for sure. I think I think also one thing real quick to add when we partner with with a third party and they actually develop product that sits within the, the capsule on their side. So we worked with Porter, Yoshida and Co out of Japan and they developed a tanker bag, a luggage tag and a wallet um, for a brand our size and, and, and even even bigger with VF. There's a, a lengthy process of, of factory audits and just back end work that no one even knows about. So to see that come to life is huge. And you, you don't often, you know, when you see competitors of ours work with collaborators, very, very often, uh, most cases, you don't see that partner build an apparel piece that's co-branded or an accessory. And we've done that now most recently with Porter 
uh, Wacko Maria out of Japan and upcoming this holiday with Leica cameras who developed a camera. So that's, that's obviously just like phenomenal and, and super proud of that for sure. I just want to say to that point, like you don't see the, all the, the rolling up your sleeves and getting dirty back, back work that these programs take. But Leica, I think to this day was probably the longest program we've ever worked on. We've actually been working on this program for over two years. It's crazy the amount of time to, that you put in and to actually, and the number of people that actually touch it, not just from our end, but from, from Leica's, Leica's uh, end as well. And then you bring in, you know, Ray, who is, was super involved in it as well as, you know, Greg Hunt with the video and stuff. It's just like, you know, a lot of people touch this and to see this finally actually hit the market, it's, it's pretty, pretty rewarding and exciting to see come to fruition. Yeah. I was going to say, because you guys are working with your kind of, you know, you're in collaboration with other people, you're looking at different materials. Like there's all these different kind of like components to a vault collaboration. Is the timeline different than it is for a traditional release? Great question. There's actually two timelines that we develop product on. Um, the traditional one is our regular inline timeline and that that accounts for a hundred percent of our inline SKUs to be honest but with when it comes to collaboration we do tend to pull that off of the inline um, calendar and put it through uh, our SMU team special makeups team which operates a little closer to market and it gives us an additional four to six months on um, on developing so yeah it's a great question and, and that we do have those two sort of uh, lanes available to to play in and, and there's, there's also times where we got to, we have to pivot, Evan. I mean, like is a good example. I think that initially was slated to hit the market like 18 months ago, similar with Porter. Porter was almost a two-year process, you know, yeah. once you, once you get into like legalities and you're starting to do contracts and, you know, interpreting contracts into Japanese and then interpreting Japanese into English, like, it's just, it's just super time consuming. Like, People kind of know Jake and I, but trust me, there, there's an army of people behind us that are really the ones that get this shit done. I mean, it's, it's so much work on a lot of people's part. Yeah, I was also going to ask, did the, obviously, because we, we are living in a time of extraordinary, uh, confusing, uncertain schedules and shipping and all that kind of stuff. Did the pandemic, obviously it shifted the way you guys probably did a lot of releases over the last couple of years. Like it, you might've had to put things on hold, wait, to wait so you could have better marketing at stores or, you know, I assume that that changed everything. Yeah. I mean, and I'll let Jake get in and dive in this little bit, but, but we're still dealing with it. We're constantly right. shifting shit. We're, and the we're, fact that we're trying to hit three different regions, you know, uh, Europe, Asia, and, and North America, North and South America. I mean, it's nothing's arriving at the same time. So it's like, we have to make some hard decisions sometimes. Yeah, it, it's tough when you do have a hard launch on a project and, and products showing up to DCs at all different times and making that decision. Do we hold this to for one global cohesive launch or do we let, you know, the regions kind of roll this out, which, you know, to your point, Evan, about marketing, that could that could kind of make things show up a little flat. If there's no consistency. But honestly, we're that's been a lot of our, our job recently is kind of recalendarizing and and reaching back out to these collaborators to let them know, Hey, this is tracking 30, 45 days late. We need to revisit launch. It's been a lot of that. And honestly, we're looking all the way out to fall 22 being somewhat disrupted from the pandemic. So um, definitely a long, another year of, of dealing with it. And, and from what we hear, it's, it is global. All of our competitors are dealing with the same shit. So. Yeah. We, Doug and I just did a podcast with uh, 
with some people dealing with vinyl shortage for making vinyl records. So just like, just like this, the, the, the idea that we can all have these creative outputs and these, these, these products that come out, like we've now changed the way that you kind of have to make things slightly more universal, or you have to make things perhaps uh, you have to focus a little bit on uh, not on timeliness, but timelessness. Yeah, you're you're gonna fucking hate this one, but we're, I can't not. We're talking about this idea of like the pandemic and global sh- shipping being an issue. We're in the middle of the world's biggest climate summit at the moment, and uh, all the conversation in the in the news feed is is turning towards this kind of you know future proofing our planet. How important or how prominent are these conversations of sustainability in a in a commercial product in a commercial atmosphere uh, like you guys working? Yeah, I mean, we're—it's something that we've paid super close attention to, uh, not just as a brand, but we know that it's super important to our consumer as well. And and you guys are well aware, it's not—you can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden everything is like sustainable or recyclable or whatever. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of rules, if you will, that kind of prevent some of that uh, in regards to its standards. But we've actually we have put together a department that is dealing with sustainability on our end uh and as you can imagine the biggest part of it for us is rubber in particular and we use a lot of rubber i mean footwear's they use rubber they use foams so we're actually uh, we have a group that's heading that up and we're driving it we're actually going to roll this out in stages right and i i can give you the specifics on that cuz it's not 100% dialed but right now we're working on a build called the VR3 build. Uh, we've actually implemented it within Vault. We're significantly reducing the amount of rubber that we're putting internally into our products uh, and making it more sustainable uh, and recyclable and reusable, if you will. Uh, but we're rolling it out in a small way within Vault, but we're really using our platform of Surf at the moment to really roll this program out. And they're kind of taking the lead on it. But our goal, I believe, and Jake, maybe you can correct me. I think our goal... I believe is within five years, we want to have everything that's kind of using the same build soup to nuts in regards to reducing how much we're putting in the shoes, the amount of waste that we're putting into the shoes to actually be a much more um, sustainable company. And there's goals, global goals for VF as a corporation, which includes mm. our sister brands, Timberland and North Face in particular. Like a lot of things, we can't move it forward as fast as we would like. I can give you guys a little bit of detail. Yeah. Spring, 20, spring 22, it launches within Vault. So we'll be the first category to kind of put this product out. And then quickly after it will um, be available in our surf category. Surf has an, a, a high attention to detail to sustainability, just obviously with its involvement uh, with the ocean. Quick call outs though. So all of our textile panels and linings will be at least 50% recycled, organic or renewable in this new product, VR3. Laces will be 50% recycled, organic or renewable. And then their footbed will be 25% bio-based from plants, which is really sick. And lastly, uh, the, the rubber on the shoe. So all natural rubble, rubber from responsibly sourced rubber tree farms. Um, and then all of the suede and leathers that we're using are from gold and silver rated tanneries, um, which really just means that the, uh, it utilizes environmental best practices around water and chemical management. So to Milzy's point, I think as we get into this back half of 22 and 23, this will start to replace a lot of our regular inline product, um, but it is a crawl, walk, run phase for us. And just in general, VF is, is really putting a, a stake in the ground around sustainability and, and eco and how that works into all of our products. So um, 
yeah, more to come. And I think the last thing I'll say just about vans in general and, and 80% of what our consumers, what consumers are buying from us right now is canvas and rubber. And, you know, rubber comes from a plan and canvas is obviously cotton. So we feel, you know, we're, I feel we're light years ahead of a lot of the competitors that are doing super advanced sportswear product just, just by default of what, what goes mm-hmm. into our shoot. That wasn't on <laughs> yeah. your list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's always interesting for people to understand how this stuff works. You guys are about to release, you know, your collaborations with Leica, which involve Ray Barbie. You guys are doing stuff with Jeff McFetrich. You guys have your own stuff internally with Vault that's like special. We spent a lot of time on the Jeff McFetrich thing. You guys are kind of, your brains are off to the next thing. So how far in advance are you guys actually thinking right now? Fall 22, excuse me, fall 23. I like that. Yeah, spring 23, we just, we will be presenting out in about two weeks. We'll put a bow on that mid-January and fall 23 is right behind. So Millsy and I are already ideating on, you know, collaborators, new new things we want to introduce. We also just launched this sort of like tighter group of, of creatives at Vans. Uh, we don't have a name for it yet, but it's kind of like our, our newness kitchen. And we're having this sort of off-calendar meetings around launching new all new from the ground up models that are quite a departure from what we've you know put out in the past so that's super exciting but so much to figure out around that product as far as development and factory complications etc so that's that's probably also you know as far as fall holiday 23 even is is this your is this kind of like your your favorite part is like this development stage absolutely because it's it's the most it's the most hands-on and i feel like it's the 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 biggest opportunity to really um, dive into design and, and art, you know, it's the, it's less businessy and more aesthetic, which is, we love that shit. 